this. No, we, we, we won't at all because we're going to have no technical issues. <laughs> Speaking of technical issues, welcome back to the Nameless Podcast again. We're about halfway there with the amount of names that people have submitted to us. So that means that five lucky people can put their names in to name this podcast, which this week we're going to call it the Squeaky Chair Podcast. Because <laughs> we have squeaky chairs. <laughs> that's uh, that's one thing everyone's been noticing. They're like, man, you guys have some really squeaky chairs. I know. What's the squeaking noise going on in your podcast? Yeah, it's it's our chairs. We have zero technical issues in this show. Zero. If you uh, think we do, it's it, it's all on your head. It's all on your head. <laughs> our chairs don't squeak. Our cameras don't die. And our actually, our audio has been pretty fantastic this whole time. You know, yeah. that's That's been the upside. Shout of out it. to our audio team. Technician. Shout out to the audio technician. <laughs> kind of a combination of all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you guys haven't noticed, we brought a guest along today. We have a new guest today. This yeah. is Taylor's wife, Ashley. Hi. Say hello to Ashley, everyone. <laughs> I figured I talk about her enough in our f- first episodes. I might as well bring her along today. So Happy there to she- be here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're really excited to have Ashley with. Give us a little bit of a new perspective. And uh, she does a lot of the same things that we do, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and it's really awesome to be able to see you know, a husband and wife combo that share a lot of the same passions. And uh, we have a, we have a lot of friends and a lot of people who, who listen to this podcast that have that dynamic as well. So we're super excited to have that addition today. Well, thank you. (laughs) It's going to be a fun one today. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about unconventional ways of attaining your goals, whether that be in business, whether that be your athletic goals, or even just things in general in life. There's a lot of times that we get stuck in a rut of thinking that there's only one way to accomplish getting from point A to point B. And there's a, a general path that everyone seems to take. And most of us sitting around this table have taken very unconventional paths to reach most of the goals in our life. So that is what we are going to be focusing on in today's podcast, the Squeaky Chair Podcast. The Squeaky Chair Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, um, when we talk conventional ways to like reach success in our modern era, it's uh, go through high school, get your four-year degree, mm-hmm. maybe go get your master's because that's really popular mm-hmm. now. And then find a job that you uh, have good retirement in, everything set up for you, and then you retire and you die. Yeah, it's very linear. It, very it really linear. is. It's a, it's a path that... It's super dark. <laughs> yeah, and you worked at one job for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, because you got that degree, man. You got you to gotta get that job. But for all of us, I don't think any of us spent... Well, we've spent time in college, but we've never just taken the four-year path and then get the job and and we've all done it differently Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that you know there there is a place for that there there is a place for going through the linear step by step this is what you need to do in order to be successful but the interesting thing that i see and i see this over and over again is that you need to determine what your end goal is first in order to prescribe the path that you need to take there's a lot of guys that they'll they'll go to university because that's what they were told to do and right. you ask them well what's your plan They're like oh i don't know i'm just going to take my generals and maybe i'll figure out what i want to do after that and that's it's not a very good strategy because you need to determine exactly what you want to do in order to be effective with your time and your resources like if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer you got to go yeah. to college like, <laughs> you got to go to college but i mean if you want to be an entrepreneur or even you know uh, something in the creative arts like a musician or an artist it's like what is your end goal? And is that going to be the most effective way for you to do it? And especially like a lot of artists too, they'll, they'll go to college and then they're like, well, everything that I'm learning and the style that I'm developing is all self-taught. And then if you take that approach to it, you'd say, well, then why aren't you spending your time and your resources being able to develop your skills in a way that's effective to you kind of a thing? Yeah, I can agree with that. Well, I jumped around. I changed my degree way too many times to count on one hand. So I went from like exercise science to teaching to I was going to be an art student. Like I was had to do my art show and like I was in these classes doing like water media, which would be watercolor painting and developing my technique. But you have to like specialize it for your professor to like it. And your professor needs to enjoy what you're doing. Right. If you don't have a reason for what you're doing, like you can't just paint 
fish because you like painting fish. There needs to be an emotional attachment to why you're painting fish. Right. And you need to specialize all those different techniques. And so I, I totally get what you're saying. That that rang true with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I like picked art out of the hat. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know what you're like, saying. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's amazing, especially like the, the artists that I really enjoy. And just now we're going on the tangent of art is yeah. when someone creates something that speaks to you in a level that you know that it's their own interpretation of how they see the world. Like That's actually what, what art is, is speaking to those archetypes. And I always forget the name of my favorite artist, that gallon in Aspen um, with the like psychedelic photorealistic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. She paints like moose and like bears and other, you know, just random art, like animals. And it's but it's used with like hot pink and like lime green and just like purples and like what you just weird colors and yeah. it looks yeah. phenomenal I'll, I'll find the uh the name and a couple of the photos and I'll, I'll post it in the video but it was actually super cool because it was the first time that i really had like that kind of a connection with uh with like physical like painting and art we were at this art museum in aspen and i saw this this bear it was photorealistic but just these nuts colors and i'm like this is the coolest piece of art that I've ever seen. Like it was, it was super, super awesome. But it, it like changed how I perceive art and how it's someone else's interpretation using using a canvas just of their mind and their thoughts. Yeah, shout out to that artist. We'll throw it in yeah. the video so yeah. you can see it because it's ridiculous. <laughs> we were go. gonna, we went, actually went inside and we were like, "How much for this painting? We got to put this up in the man cave." And they were like, "I think it was like ten grand or fifteen thousand. Oh, yeah. We oh, were man. like. Yeah. Should we toss a coin? Because <laughs> we need this for the space. But we didn't pull the trigger on it. But it was still, it's still a fantastic piece yeah. of art. She's become massively successful too, oh, especially awesome. in the region. Local artists, her pieces go for tens of thousands of wow. dollars to hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. It's They're crazy. nuts. All right. Well, when this podcast really takes off, we'll get a piece up in here. And hang it, it right behind me. Put it in the mural. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There we go. What, what I like that you said was is that you had to change your art so that your professor would like it i think i think that speaks just volumes to me uh, because for instance if you do a uh like a word um let's say like a paper right yeah and you're gonna give it to your teacher if they don't agree with what you're saying they're like no that this isn't this is impossible well (laughs) it doesn't have to be possible you're you're a professor you're you're doing a writing paper all you're supposed to do is critique me on my writing style and whether i had the right the right punctuation mm-hmm. and verbs and downs and stuff <laughs> not well, creating, like creating an argument in general yeah yeah, yeah. creating in ge- it doesn't matter if i was like flipping i want to eat pop tarts on the moon like <laughs> is it possible it, it doesn't matter you know like it should just be based on that and i think that's where i hear a lot of people saying but they've never really voiced it quite like you have and i think that so many kids especially from people that i've talked to feel that exact same way that right. they're like yeah. this is nuts and that's i think that's one of the the big flaws with modern education as it exists now and uh, a big reason for that is the evolution of how the school system or just university in general has progressed has been very fixed yeah. and as technology evolves and we learn more about how people learn how people function and just in general how human performance exists how we learn in an organized setting hasn't adapted along with it and i think that we're we're in a space of a bubble right now and you could attribute that to whatever it might be um but that bubble is going to burst and whatever is going to take its place is going to be far superior because even just uh even if you just break it down to its simplest component of Everyone learns in a different method and forcing everyone into an environment where they're required to learn utilizing a very fixed set of methods of learning is going to have an attrition that's that's massive. And you're leaving a lot of a lot of potential on the table for people who learn in in more creative means. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the way I learned was very hands on in school. Um, And of course, schools aren't always. Okay. I was hearing oh, that man. too. I was trying to. I'm figure hearing out what something. That is. I'm hearing something. So uh, yeah, after after uh, we had a we had an airstrike happen, the alarm <laughs> went off. We oh. had to we had to take cover. We had to cut for a second, and yeah. we're back. So we're back, and we were talking about <laughs> uh, learning methods and things like that in school. And like I was talking about how I was a hands-on learner in mm-hmm. school, but there's not a lot of things, at least when I was in high school, that really promoted that hands-on method of learning. And you're usually stuck to the trades. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and that's the thing is like when people think hands-on learning, they're thinking welding, construction, yeah. and things that you do with your hands, but that's not 
really what it means. No. Some people, you can talk about the theoretical for hours and hours and hours and in as many different ways as possible, but until you put them in a situation where they have to observe, react, and interact with that, it's never going to click in their brain. It's like it's almost like information is being taken in and your brain can process that information as information. And until you can see it exist in reality and how those things interact with each other in a physical world, it only only at that point does your brain finally make that connection and yep. say, I got it. I understand this now because I've experienced it. I've not just sat in a room and talked about it. And some people do very well with sitting in a room and talking about the hypothetical oh, yeah. at a high level. Right. But you might not get there with everybody. No. And I, I've watched it um, just no matter what school size it is. Uh, you'd think smaller classes would be better, like, because you can go based upon each individual. Because you guys have mentioned, like, the way you coach is you try to coach each individual kid. Right. And teaching, it would be nice if you could do that, but there's just really no method that they've come up with where you can really teach each individual. Um, you could probably break them up right. into groups yeah. and things like that. And I think, I really do think that technology will help close that gap. Yeah. And just changing the method for, because that's the a very interesting uh, contention that I have with of modern higher education is that it's it, it kind of has the same structure of it's like okay you're going to take your generals you're going to do all these things you're going to become a you know a well-rounded student but the reality of it is, is if you have an end goal target in mind where you say i want to be a let's just say a petroleum engineer you say i want to be a petroleum engineer that's my end goal there's a far more effective way to get to having that body of knowledge and uh, the ability to do the work that you want to do in that space that you could do individually. Like if you targeted that and you structured every single day to meeting that goal, you could chop the time in half that you needed to be an effective employee thirds, probably half. It, it really sounds like, um, like the Chinese really have that on tap. If yeah. you're going to be something, they're like, you do this all day long and you dedicate mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. To and it. you dedicate it. And that's what you do. I know like we, Travis always has this analogy of the rubber band, right? Yeah. And you, and once you artificially stretch it one direction, it when it pops, it it like reverberates. It goes way mm -hmm. back and then it like zigzags until it I, finds its equilibrium. And I really yeah. think that's what Travis was trying to get to was is like we've so artificially inflated the high school college, uh, you know, a master's program, yeah, so much to thinking like this is what's going to help you, and it does to, to a certain degree. Uh, but it's I and I really think that it could be this this generation that are like in an, in middle school high school right now that when they get to 40 50 and they're making decisions like they might change it because they're yeah. like this yeah. just didn't work anymore anymore for yeah. us we, we were a hundred thousand dollars in debt um, and we never got out of it right yeah and so like that 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 that's what I think is really gonna change it they're like we're just gonna stop this artificially inflating the importance of, mm -hmm. of higher education. Right. Uh, when you see so many people uh, that are super successful and they didn't finish like high school or, you know, like went to one year in college and they're like, I'm done. Yeah. Right. I think there's a list that, that I think it was Forbes that came out with like, like the richest person um with their in their individual age so like yeah. 21 who is the richest 21 year old who's the richest 22 year old yeah and a majority of them and i mean i'm i'm, I'm saying like a vast majority of and i would say it's probably like 80 percent of those kids yeah never never had a college education yeah. and it was like from from 21 all the way up to like 99 or whatever <laughs> so you think about that and you're like whoa yeah, these are some super successful people, and and granted, there were a couple of people that were like twenty two and twenty three that was like off of like a pension that their parents yeah. had paid into gotcha. for so long, yeah. you know. And but so there's obviously the exception, but don't let the exception be the rule, right? right? Right. There's a lot of people that are smart and they just went after it, you know. And that's really what it takes to. I know we always go back to what's your mindset, yeah. you know. So. It, depends on where your mind is at and whether you're going to succeed or not so no I agree with that for sure like I feel like a lot of those young adults like our age 
that are really successful that maybe did go to like a year of college or no college they don't they don't fit the mold necessarily it's not that like you said that's not that they're unintelligent it's just they think so differently about life in a different way and they have a set goal and it's like okay yep we're doing this and college necessarily is either going to deter from that end goal or it's going to hinder it but I definitely have noticed that with like there's more so more so yeah. like with the 20s that they're that we're more apt now to go out of college and go find other things to do I think it's also, it's, it's a economic function as well. Individual. If you think about your college education as purchasing an asset, the question that you want to ask yourself is what is your return on investment? And that's how you calculate if something's worth it or not. And a lot of people are looking into this and they're saying, okay, I'm going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on an education to get a job that pays me $35,000 a year. My return on investment is so far out that this could actually cripple me financially. And there's so many people that go down that road and they are crippled financially because they have these student loans that they still have to pay off. And now they have a job that isn't allowing them to be able to progress in life because they're spending all of their money on their cost of living and this giant loan that they have. Oh, and now a car payment. Oh, now a house payment too. And you're just stuck. You're stuck in that area because there's, there's no, there's no vertical progression. It's all linear progression. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, um, that's mainly why we've probably taken unconventional routes to our our paths of success. Is just because we don't we don't see there the, there's things that are necessary about college that for mm-hmm. for certain people, but for us, like especially creative minds or people that are are within business, um, there's a lot of things that you can learn within a library and things that like we have can, we have the culmination of information that exists yeah. in the world at our fingertips. Oh yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable the age of information that we live in. And that's, you know, that also comes back to this. I always try to talk with this dichotomy because it's not an anti-college, pro-college kind of decision. It's anti and pro-college for each individual. Yep. If you want to go and, uh, you know, work for Deloitte as a merger and acquisition or business management consultant, whatever it might be, go to college, get your MBA. If you want to be an entrepreneur and you have an idea for a business, it's like trial by fire. Go do it. Go start some businesses. Fail. You're going to fail. Yeah. Go out and fail. Get better. Learn and keep doing it over and over and over again until you succeed. I think that success is probably more related to tenacity than it is intelligence. Actually, it really is. It is definitely yeah. more related to tenacity than it is intelligence because you meet a lot of really successful people and they will self-admittedly be like, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. I make the smartest decisions in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've also met some really stupid people that are super Insanely successful. successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it gives Whoa. it gives me hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just about hitting it at the right time sometimes or, or coming up with the right idea and putting it in front of the right people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you listen to successful business owners, usually it's not their first business that becomes the big success right right it's or it or it takes years upon years but it's that tenacity that you were talking about and mm-hmm. and not giving up when you when you fail and i feel like in our culture today um they a lot of uh people will use uh the fear of failure as a reason to get a degree because it secures um it is so much a safety net right? yeah but when you look at some of the statistics of people how they use their degrees a lot of times they don't even go into the field that they mm-hmm. they had a degree in, and and that happens a lot. Yeah, we have yeah. a lot of friends like that who yeah. get yeah. their degree in one thing, and then life ends up something. They have a better opportunity in another field. Mm-hmm. Which that's not to say that college is a bad thing. College is no. a great thing. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, mechanical engineering, right? Yep. Uh, construction, and now UAV. <laughs> you yeah. know, and I, what did you go to school for? Uh, like what, the most things. recent one I'm going to yeah. school for? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll make a checklist. <laughs> okay, let's, let's start the checklist. You want to start yeah. the, you let's really want to start let's that checklist? It. So I started, I was, I had verbally committed to go to Idaho State um, in Pocatello and run track and cross country to be a dietitian. Didn't end up going to Idaho State. I um, committed to Dickinson State and I was going to do exercise science. And I talked to a couple different professors and they said, oh, if you're not very good at math and science, like this is not the program for you. I'm like, well, crap, I'm not very good at math or science. <laughs> like, guess we're going to teach kindergarten. Um, realized I don't do well with boogers. And I was like, all right, we're going <laughs> to do secondary education and some things. Like, okay, 
We'll do art. Yeah, I like art. I like to draw. I like to paint. Perfect. I am not a kooky art person. I don't. I don't do. I don't do that stuff. <laughs> Love art, but I'm. I'm not kooky enough to do that. Now, oh, then we did speech language for a while to be like. Um, not the pathologist. I don't. Not the, you have to get your master's in that. You can actually diagnose uh, speech disorders. Uh, look at adenoids, which would be they press down on the tongue, mess up speech that way. I was not interested in getting my master's or doctorate in that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting my university studies and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> she has racked up so many college credits. So many, that's, that's, it's impressive. I have 142. I checked yesterday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> seven. That's This will be year seven. So I, I'm rolling on it, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not impressed. <laughs> no, but like we, we've decided like together that like whether, what no matter what degree she gets, like coaching is what she's best at. I do. I love coaching right. and that's where my heart is. I love like um who, somebody said the fear of failure. Who said that? I mean, me, yeah. That's something yeah. that I harp on with my kids all the time is like, I mean, I failed like more times than I can count on my fingers and my toes, but you learn from those failures. And if you don't have the failures mm-hmm. on those mistakes, you, you don't learn. Like, I mean, yeah, it'd be awesome if we could be successful like 24-7, but you don't always learn from being successful. Right. And that safety net that Taylor was talking about with the fear of failure. Um, if you look at the difference between the two paths, there's a lot of pressure. Like if you drop out of college, if you, if you stay in college, you get your degree and you can't find success. Well, then the system failed you. You can blame the system. (laughs) If you drop out, if you make that decision to drop out of college and pursue your dreams on your own. Now, if you fail, it's a personal failure and that's terrifying to some people. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, I feel like that is a large portion of why people make those decisions is they say, well, if I go the safe route, if I fail, I kind of have a hedge on that. It's going to be a, it's going to be less of a blow if I continue through with this and then I can't find success after that, or I have to deal with these issues. But if you make the decision and pull that trigger and you say, all right, I'm going to go do this on my own. It's like, well, the responsibility is yours now, but freedom is a burden of responsibility and that's that's what it comes down to you have to shoulder that burden by yourself and your success is 100 percent up to you at that point which is exciting that's what yeah. that's what the american dream is that's built true. off of but it's exciting <laughs> because it's terrifying just yeah. like the adventures mm-hmm. that we have it's like adventures would be boring if there wasn't some risk of treachery <laughs> yeah 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 i agree with that american dream that and then winning the lottery yeah, yeah <laughs> that, those are the two big things for American Dream. <laughs> that's true. I think my mom would agree with adventures. If it's not an adventure, if there's not some risk, or you almost died some way, it's not. It's not an adventure. Then. Right, right. Like it's terrifying at the time, but it's like all of our stories would be super boring if we're like, yeah, we went out into the back country, we set up our tent, <laughs> stayed there for a couple of days, caught some fish, came home. People would be like. Wow. Oh, okay. You're you're real fun at the parties. <laughs> another weekend of camping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another weekend of camping. Exactly. We could have just rented a, a motel room and done the exact same thing. I mean, I could have put a VR headset on and done virtual fishing for a week. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> I guess that is a thing now. I always forget. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, if you need a scholarship, I heard uh, DSU offers scholarships for uh, esports now. Really? Yeah. So. Oh, man. DSU uh, does? Hey, Jared, well, Jer, we're going back to college. <laughs> My word. I wonder, I wonder if they have competitive Minecraft. <laughs> competitive Minecraft. I like the, the story version. Nothing can kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we, we heard a bit of Ashley's story up to this point. Yep. Now, Taylor, let's, let's go through your brief history. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I don't really... Like, when I was... Uh, when I was graduating high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I was like, well, I like playing baseball and, and things like that, but I don't know if I want to do this in college. So uh, like I've said in previous episodes, I went straight down to, to Glendale, Arizona to go to Grand Canyon University and went down there, uh, planned to work for an inner city organization, coaching sports. I, I thought coaching might be something I, I wanted to go into. Um, but I was, I was enrolled in business management because I figured the safe bet is my dad owns a business. If I want to do something that, that's safe, for some reason I was, I was just all about doing something smart at the time, was I'd, I'd be a, in business management and take over my dad's business. So I was like, okay, I'll go down there, have some fun, uh, probably come back someday, maybe, maybe own the business or something. So, like I said, six months or three months in, I was like, I'm going to come back to Dickinson and play baseball for Dickinson State. Still enlisted or enrolled in, in business management classes. Um, 
now I was actually in the town where my dad owns the business. So I was working there, kind of, kind of working my way up, seeing, seeing the ropes, figuring out how to do things. And, and, uh, I did that. But after, uh, after my second year of college, well, I met Ashley second semester of my second year. And so I was like, huh, I kind of like this girl. I kind of want to marry her. (laughs) I kind of want to marry her. Yeah, kind of. No, no. I really like this girl and I want to marry her. It's like, but I don't have any money. I don't don't have money to buy a ring. I don't have money to like secure us. If we like, if we were to get an apartment or anything, I was like, okay, I got to go work full time. I was like, I don't like college that much. Um, Like I said, I, I injured my back in, in my, uh, freshman year of college. So it was like my second year. I was still dealing with back problems and everything. I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna drop out of college and I'm gonna work for my dad, work my way up in the business because I don't really need a business management degree. I'm not really in college for anything besides playing baseball right now. So I decided to do that anyways. Um, so I, I drop out of college. It, it would have been my third year, been my junior year of college. I drop out like the first day. And, and the reason I really like that put me over the edge was I couldn't find a parking spot at DSU. I was going to my first day of class. <laughs> that was the final. And straw. I was like, I was like, this happened last year. Like I could never find a parking spot. And I, and I always got parking tickets and things. Cause I never bought the pass. I just tried to, <laughs> to take my risk, my luck and everything. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to my coach. I'm going to drop out, withdraw from school and just go to work. So I started making money and like, it was like the best thing ever. Cause I had never really made a lot of money and I started making money and I didn't realize that like when you get married and and things change you have to like start paying for your own insurance and everything so I wasn't paying for my insurance yet (laughs) nothing was really like mine to take care of the responsibility hadn't hit yet (laughs) (laughs) and so um I uh I decided like I, I took a trip down to Flagstaff with my uncle in March it was of like 2015 2015 yeah I I helped my uncle move to Flagstaff and uh, so I'm down there, like we're moving in. It's like a huge snowstorm. And I'm like, I really miss Ashley. Like, man, if, if she could just be with me like 24 seven on these trips and everything, like, like that would be awesome. So I was like, <laughs> okay. So I decided while I was down there, I was such a romantic, her. right? Um, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know how to make it any more romantic. Basically like, yeah, I, I struggle with that a little bit, but <laughs> But I've bought you flowers sometimes. <laughs> I like plants and they survive a little longer. Yeah, that's what I did for our anniversary this year. Plants. Four years, right? Four years. I'm not going to say right because I know how many years we've been married. Uh, <laughs> that's not a good thing, guys. If you if you don't remember your anniversary, that's your SOL. So. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I did remember it. So don't worry about that. Um, anyway, so I bought the ring and everything. We got married six months, five months later in September, September 5th of 2015. Nice. And so we did that. That's kind of the gist of my story. And then three years, three years later, I think four years working for my dad, I was like, I want to be a teacher. And so (laughs) now I'm back in school to be a teacher. So I don't like discredit people that get degrees because I'm on that path right now. Right. Because it's just you, been unconventional. Sometimes you, you have to, too. Yeah. You know? It's like you really have to. But the I think the really key point of your story is yeah. that you were going on a path where you didn't have a goal and you were yep. doing something just to check the boxes. For sure. And then you said, okay, I need to live because I have new priorities. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. And you made it work. And then as soon as you got to reground yourself, you said, okay, now I know what I want to do. I want to be a teacher. Yep. Now this is what I have to do in order to get there. And you're able to take a targeted approach to it and say, okay, college is what I have to do. I have to get this degree so that I can teach because that's what I want to do. And then you go into it with that. And then you have a plan instead of going through college for, you know, 10 years. And then you're like, you know what? I, you know, I was going to get a degree in aeroscience, but it's like, maybe I want to be a teacher and I got to go back. Yeah. No, yeah, that's my story. It's it's unconventional, I guess you could say. That's well, it's kind of almost the theme. like you matured yeah. over the years, and so like your brain was done developing mostly, and you were able to make an educated decision. Rather, yeah, I go to college. That sounds like a good yeah. plan. Yeah, I just everyone else was going to college, so I was like, I gotta do something. Like, I don't want to be the kid that doesn't go to college when all my friends went. Right, and I don't, 
that's kind of like what sparked that idea. But I didn't have a plan, like right. you said. And I mean, still, I I like so many things. And that's kind of been my struggle through my whole life is like, I really like, uh, I like music. I like art. I like, I like sports. I like all that different stuff. I wish I could just like do it all. But right. when you get older, you realize that there is still a set path that you kind of have to follow. It's just, you can kind of dictate where, where that path is. You don't have to let a degree or anything like that dictate it. It's more, it's, you got to follow your passion. And, um, this, this friend of mine, he's actually a pastor. Um, he, he told me this thing once it's whatever you do, chase joy, chase peace. Like when you're chasing joy and like, that's what you're trying to follow. It makes things easier. Cause then you can say, does this make me happy? Does it, right. do, do I find joy in this? When you find joy in what you do, then it's not really a job. I guess you could say mm-hmm. something you actually want to want to wake up for in the morning. So that's where I'm at right now. I like that because it's, joy is a very interesting experience it's like um you know we had talked a lot about flow states too it's it puts you in a state of mind where you're carried away by what you're doing time seems to go by more slowly or more quickly and you have no recollection of time and you just feel like you are engrossed in the moment and you truly feel happy in those things and the only way to do that is to do something that you're passionate about and that also challenges you on a daily basis. And if you get locked into a path in life that you're not passionate about, that's where you see a lot of people just getting miserable. I mean, look at the depression rates in the United States right now and how incrementally that's grown to a point now where it's almost a pandemic where people aren't feeling fulfilled by what they do. And it's, I won't oversimplicate, oversimplify a very complicated thing, but I think that finding purpose in your life and finding something that you're passionate about is a very large part of that. Yeah, I'd, I agree. I'd agree. Yeah. Jeremy? Yeah, what about you? Oh, man. You're up. Yeah, I think it. Like, uh, I think it's a coat. But passion and heart, you know, it will set you apart kind of thing. And yeah. I think that that really is a key thing. I think for Travis and I, we started our professional careers doing something that we like to do. Yep. Um, then our bosses kind of, like, got in the way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, you know, like when I started off, I was having a ball. I loved to just talk with people, you know, meeting new people and seeing different things is, is, um, a huge passion of mine. You know, I just liked stories, you know, everybody's got their own, you know, heartbreaks and, and successes. And it's cool to see that, you know, I like, I like to sit down with my, with my uncle that was in, uh, was in a, in a couple wars and you're like man these stories are <laughs> incredible you know and um that's what i really like and so that's what i liked about the most about doing construction is is that you you're constantly meeting new people especially at a, at a large company where you had multiple jobs and there were different people and different faces that you do it plus i like to go out to eat and that was part of my job was taking people out to eat and so i love oh, that it's a you win-win there's a there's a place called an as and in there's a place in Aspen called Michola, which is like a, a like a Mexican place, and it was like salsa and chips. You 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 hungry for Michola? It's a Tuesday, but let's go. Come on, <laughs> and you, you take clients out to eat. It was pretty cool, you know. Uh, being the director of all things awesome was a highlight of my life. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and I learned a lot. Um, yeah, for those listening that don't know, uh, what was what was your title and what oh, was your function? Director of Operations for PNCI. Wow. Uh, uh, construction company in Aspen. You know, it was a blast. You know, ha- had a a great time there, and uh, um, just at the end, it was just like we kept going over these small like issues where I was just like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Too much stress. Too much stuff. I was juggling. It's just way too many jobs within there and people just wouldn't get down to that same type of uh, quality that I really wanted and you make so many promises to people and then they're like oh nope we gotta break them and I was just like I can't do this <laughs> I can't yeah. do this anymore um, so now we, now I'm with Travis and we we own command UAV services and it's it's having we're having a ball with it yeah Um, I think as a as a profession 
and right and travis i think would would say the same thing that we did it for like a long time just because we were good at it Mm -hmm. Uh, but we didn't have any joy that came along with it right we weren't having a lot of fun anymore and at that point in time as soon as you stop having fun um that's when you should stop and for me that was like like i don't know now it would be like four years ago but Mm -hmm. (laughs) after that first two years like i should have or the first year i should have just been done Uh, because all of a sudden once they give you more and more responsibility and i'm not saying that responsibility is bad or anything like that obviously you get paid more because of it but Mm -hmm. um after a while you start to burn yourself out if that makes sense and if there's no joy and there's no passion to do it um for me i asked that question and my mom would would say is like yeah but are you having fun if you're not you probably shouldn't be doing it but you're like but the money yeah. <laughs> and they're like, but no like that that's that's really what needs to have you know been the answer yeah money is one of those things that that drives pre- pretty much the the american population like I don't think anything can really be justified by money if, if it sacrifices your happiness. So, I mean, that's one thing for me. It's like, it's like I can make a lot of money, but if I'm sacrificing happiness, is, mm-hmm. is it even worth it? Because I'm always down. A lot of or, rich people with depression. Yeah, it. Oh, it, it's an epidemic. Like you said, depression in our country is an epidemic. But when you like narrow it down to just like, like based upon how much money they're making, I'm, I'm sure there's a vast majority that are still depressed. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and I would even throw anxiety into that as well. I think your brain knows when you're, I mean, you can't trick your emotions or your brain. It knows when you're not impressed with what you're doing. And yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. depression, but then anxiety as well is it's definitely up there as well. Like I hear yeah, more kids yeah. now, like even just coaching and or working in the school, um, they talk more a lot about anxiety. Whereas it was something I had never heard of until probably a couple of years ago. Like, I mean, I've heard of it, but like hadn't seen a lot of it and high school kids and now it's now it's a huge deal right right yeah like you said you can't you can't trick your body it's a physiological <laughs> mm-hmm. response and it happens and there's things that you can do to help that but usually it's changing a core path that you are on in life i mean that's why psychotherapists make so much money yeah. that's why right. they're so good at what they do <laughs> and i was like sometimes uh sometimes a pill a pill might help you get through things but it's not going to fix the problem right. and uh getting to the root of that problem and trying to take steps in your life to be able to solve it is really the, the, the only way forward. You know, I saw, I saw this thing a, 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 a couple weeks ago and it was about a guy um, from, it said 1990 and it was like, I'm going to sh- see a shrink. And this other guy's like, that dude must be crazy. <laughs> and then it was like 2019 and he's like, dude, guess what my uh, uh, shrink just told me? And he's like, what, dude? Is it the same thing my shrink told me? Because there's so many people like, right. yeah, going to these things. And obviously I'm saying shrink, but, you know, whatever it is, I think that more and more people are getting to the thought processes. is like, I actually need to work through some of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I got to work through some crap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm not such a terrible person or a jerk or, you know, or a bully or, or feel a certain way or feel a yeah. certain way. Cause all of some people are like, man, I just feel super depressed. And then you're like, man, if I would have talked that out or if we'd had somebody talk it out, you know, it would have been better for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I know when I got out of the hospital, uh, my mom made me go see somebody and it was a Christian counselor. And he was like, you know, obviously I don't think, I don't think anything's wrong with you. Um, and, and I should say what the doctor said. He's like, um, I'm going to write you a thing that you need to go see a counselor. And I was like, why? I don't need a counselor. He's like, he's like, uh, you don't, you might not think so right now, but in five years, you're going to be thankful that you did. Mm-hmm. And that's what ex- pretty much exactly what the counselor was like. He's like, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with you um, here in the now, but it's going to help you in your future. And so I did, you know, and it was a really weird, awkward thing because I was like stuck in that 90s mentality. It's right. like, I'm not crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I might not remember everything, but I'm not crazy, you know, kind of a thing. And uh, well, once you do, and especially these kids now that they're like, man, I feel so anxious or ex- it, uh, have a lot of anxiety or depression and stuff like that. But you do see it a whole lot more than you used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You get a You get a good psychotherapist and they're good at what they do. Like there's a, there's a reason why they exist. And I, I don't know 
where that stigma came from and I don't know why it continues to exist. I think that we're finally diminishing that stereotype of going out and seeking professional help for yeah. anything mm-hmm. is so invaluable. And uh, I, I really hope that 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 trend continues because it's like I said, those guys know what they're doing yeah. and they can help you. <laughs> there's a, there's something I always like to say is wisdom is expensive in, in construction. Um, you will waste a whole lot of money. And then you'd be like, if I, if I only knew that we would have saved a whole lot of money Yeah. <laughs> uh, in your personal life, you know, like people are like, man, if I would have known that I wouldn't have gone to college until I knew what I wanted yep, to do. Right. If I had known what I know now, I wouldn't have done that. And people waste a whole lot of money. Wisdom really is expensive. Yeah. You either pay for it in time or, or money yeah. or effort. And when you go to find somebody that is an expert in their field, like like a guy, like a counselor or, or a shrinker of some sort, and they're like, well, I am an expert. I've been around the block. That right there is invaluable to anybody in whatever age level you are to seek advice. I know I know. like one of my favorite things from, from the Bible is just like a wise king heeds his counsel, right? Yeah. And like, if you set up a good council of people that are smarter than you, yeah. I hate this one, um, this one, I would say phrase, a quote that's like, is like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go to a different room. Or, you know, <laughs> you know, you, and I, I hate that, but I'm like, at the same time, you're like, that is got some wisdom to yeah. it. You know, cause you're like, find some people that are smarter than you and then surround yourself with them. And, and all of a sudden you become a whole lot smarter. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Mentors is, that's something that's absolutely invaluable. Finding mentors that are both um, involved in what you're doing and mentors that are completely detached from, from what you're doing is, is so critical. There's something about when you're going through issues, especially in your professional life. Like uh, when I was the IT director at Rockpile, I was like, you go through things that no one else really can understand. And when you talk to a counterpart that has that same existence, that has more experience than you, it's the most it's the most relieving thing in the world. It's like taking all of the weight off and you're able to be like, okay, this, I can confide in this person. They're able to give me advice that actually helps because they've been in this exact same situation before versus, you know, you, you go out and, uh, you you just meet with a couple of your friends and you're talking about what you're doing or even like in relationships between, you know, you're, you can talk to your wife and he's like, this is what I'm going through. It's like, they can help you and support you. But being able to talk to someone who's been in that exact situation just does something to help solve that problem yeah i think relationships are just so important in everyday life like um some people want to be self-made millionaires and and kind of kind of think they they fought through everyone and got to where they were because of themselves but right. if you look back on your life like most successful people always had some type of relationship in their life that that kind of propelled them forward or or like uh in my case, like I know most of my ideas stress my wife out, um, <laughs> um, but I know that she's going to be honest a hundred percent of the time with me, even if she's scared, like she'll, she'll think through it rationally. Or mm-hmm. if you don't like my answer. Yeah. There's a lot of times where I don't like your answer, but, <laughs> but I know that she's right. And I know that like, if there's something that I'm supposed to be doing, that's different. She'll, she'll tell me, or she'll at least like give me, hold me accountable and, and, and I appreciate those relationships that I have in my life where right. I, people will be honest because I think sometimes we grow up, we've grown up in a world like I feel like I have where um, my parents thought I did like everything really well. And parents, they love to tell their kids when they do something well, but I also need to be, be brought down from the sky a little bit and, 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 <laughs> and brought back to earth and, and, and have some like realistic conversations about my future too. And I love my parents to death. But Ashley has definitely provided more more of that stability where it, like she'll tell me if I if I'm doing something that this might not work that well and <laughs> uh, and so that's really actually helped me going forward because now I can look at things from a different point of view than I did growing up and so that that's one of those things if if you're trying to make it in life really cling tight to your relationships your honest relationships and just relationships in general general. Mm-hmm. Well, even with people with different viewpoints, we learn more from someone whose viewpoint is different than ours. Because um, even if it challenges the way you're thinking, it just it turns it around. I think we had this conversation yesterday about how it's it's good for you to yeah. not always be around people who are like-minded, who think the same way that you do. Sparks and, creativity. Mm-hmm. It's that lateral thinking. That's always something that's really cool. Is when you look at um, a lot of major innovations, typically what happens is 
you have a bunch of people in a room who are experts at doing a thing. And yeah. then they talk to someone who's completely detached and they say something so profound that's outside of their way of thinking that they say, oh, <laughs> we can make this work. And it's just that it's that combination of the two yeah. ideas that creates a synthesis and then innovation is born from that. But if you sit in a room with people who think exactly the same way as you and are experts in the same things as you, you get stuck in those linear thinking paths. Yeah. And then as soon as you introduce one other person who brings in a lateral idea, it's just that synthesis is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like that with, uh, with your mentorships and relationships right. as well. If you can find people who are completely in a different world than you and talk to them about your problems, they can say, well, what about this? And you're like, why the heck did I not think of that? <laughs> it's like the story of my life. Why did I think of that? That's yeah, really right. smart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we've all kind of shared our our little bit of stories, um, but oh, I haven't let's, shared let's, mine yet, have let's I? Go with Travis's. <laughs> yeah. I I think uh, I don't know much about your story either, but I know it's been pretty pretty unconventional. So yeah. Let's, yeah, let's hear it. Been here and there. Yeah. So I, I started my path off similar to yours. I did the the stereotypical right out of high school, go to college. I went to college at, college at the University of Hawaii for a year. And then I went to college at uh, UND for a year. And I had to do a lot of self-assessment. And it's it's very interesting. So it's like now that I think back and look at myself like the, the dummy that I was back then, it's like, why the heck did I entrust myself with making decisions that would affect my future? Like, dumbest thing in the world. Like, like when Jeremy says wisdom is expensive, it's like you don't have a whole lot of wisdom when you graduate, <laughs> you don't. graduate college. Uh, so I was, going to, I was going to university for business management and entrepreneurship. And I remember when I was at University of North Dakota, and I stopped going to class and I was getting the best grades that I had ever gotten in my in my life. Like I didn't really take high school that seriously. Jeremy and I were both in, a, you know, the advanced placement classes and we were relatively good at school, but we didn't actually put like a wholehearted effort. I didn't come home and study. Yeah. Like, if it was something that I was interested in, I would I would research it for my own benefit. I wouldn't do it for yeah. school. And uh, college was kind of like that as well. And I was at UND and I was taking these classes. I would literally wake up in the morning go to the library, study all my classes at the library. And if I was required to go to a class for my grade, like attendance was required, I would go. And uh, if I wasn't, I would just take the textbooks and any lateral materials that I could and learn the concepts and then go based off the syllabus, just learn everything that they wanted us to and take the exams. And I was doing really well. And um, it was the beginning of the second semester. And I'm just like, I remember my turning point was uh, I was sitting in, I think it was calculus and uh, applied calc maybe. And I sat in a lecture hall, 800 people. And this, it must have been a God thing because it was so funny. I had just gotten off the phone with uh, one of my old bosses and they were starting a, uh, they were branching off and starting a security startup and they wanted help with it. And he's like, hey, if you want to come back, help us start this company, you're more than welcome. I'm like, nah, I'm just starting the second semester. You know, I'll think about it. And I walk into this lecture hall and the professor, she's uh, addressing the whole class and talking to us about what we're going to be learning, go over the syllabus. And I had my graphing calculator on my desk. I guess you can call it a desk. It's in a lecture hall, but it's on my desk. And out of the 800 people, she walks up to me, grabs my calculator and says, you will not be needing this in this (laughs) class. You'll have to do all of your calculations mentally. And I looked at her and I said, well, then I will not be in this class. (laughs) And I grab my books and my calculator and I leave. Like the look on her face, she was like, she thought I was joking. And I like grab my stuff and I leave. And I made that decision. I'm like, okay. I have been self-taught my entire life. What on earth am I doing here? I can go out and step into the arena and try to do this myself. And what that progressed into is I I helped this company uh, start up for about a year, maybe two years. And then um, I went into a, it was a job fair for oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are a few positions that were open. None of them were even related to what I was doing, but maybe I could, maybe I could translate these things. I went and talked to their, uh, their vice president of human resources. And I said, Hey, I saw you guys, uh, it was Rockpile energy. I said, Hey, I saw you guys were listing that you had lab technicians and electronic technicians positions available. I wanted to see what those were. I have about at that point, I think it was five years of it experience. Wanted to see if any of that translated over. And she turns around, she turns around. She's like, did you say it experience? Yeah. Like, yeah, why? She's like, I have someone you need to talk to right now. Huh. And she calls the, uh, their it manager at the time and said, I have someone here with it experience. Like, you need to talk to him. Hands me the phone. I did a preliminary interview right then. No way. And then I ended up, I had that job at the ground floor as an IT specialist at Rockpile. Um, it was literally within that month. 
And I saw it as a massive opportunity. I said, okay, I have a ecosystem that I can grow through. It was uh, about two years into the startup phase an oil and gas company. And I had an excellent boss at the time. His name was Sean. And he said, hey, if you want to succeed in this company, I will do absolutely everything that I in my power to be able to to be able to get you to that point if you put in the effort. So I just I learned and learned and learned. I learned every concept that I could. I actually have a podcast. Um, if you're listening on iTunes on the Proving Grounds podcast, go to uh, You Need to Aim Higher, and I, I talk about this concept that I employed, where I set my target really high and then aligned everything that I did to that point. So what I did was I said, okay, I need to pick a very lofty goal. If I'm an IT specialist right now, the top of the organization would be the chief information officer. That's my goal. I want to be the chief information officer in 10 years. And what's funny is uh, the first time I flew to our headquarters location in Denver, I sat down at the CFO of the company and uh, Sean, he wanted to go and become a pilot. And he had told me that probably after a year of working there. He said, hey, I want to get you down here. I want you to deliver our IT strategy to the CFO so that you can be seen as the uh, the the uh, subject matter expert to him so he can rely on you for these strategic decisions. I'm like, that's a great idea. So I developed an IT strategy and presented it to James and he was moderately impressed. I'll say like he was yeah. uh, the yeah. CFO. He was like, he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> young guy. He's, he's kind of smart. I'm not blown away by this. Yeah. But uh, I remember after that meeting, he sat down, he's like, okay, we'll do a, a they called it a career evaluation. And uh, he said, what do you want to do in, you know, two years, three years and five years. And I told him straight up and said, I want to be the IT manager within a year. I want to be the IT director within five years. And I want to be the CIO of the company, like within, within 10, he like kind of laughed. He's yeah. like, he's like, okay, buddy. Like he, <laughs> this was the first time he had met me. He's like, okay, yeah. buddy. Like kind of, that was what was going through his head. Yeah. But I stuck to it and I grew through that organization, hand and fist, self-taught everything that I could. I just engrossed myself in that world to where it was it was an obsession to me. And I said, I need to learn absolutely everything that I can about the role of the CIO and then backfill that through what I'm doing now to be effective and where I'm at, to be able to think laterally about all this. And it worked very well for me. And what's interesting about it is that within, it would have been four years at that point, I actually got to that point where I was the the head of IT at the company. I was the wow. IT director for, for Rockpile, which at the time, let's see, we exited at about quarter of a billion dollars. Wow. And it was and it was an amazing ride. It was it was absolutely incredible. What what's most fascinating about it is I went through the whole, you know, climbed the corporate ladder tooth and nail to get to the top. That story, which is quite a success story, but what's cool yeah. about it is um Ravi Zacharias once said, There's nothing more lonely and disappointing in life than when you reach the absolute ultimate and realize that it's let you down. And when I was the director at Rockpile, it was probably halfway through the year and we were going through all these mergers, acquisitions and sales. We had just gotten done with a uh, with an asset sale. We were just going into an exit or equity sale to sell to another company. And I remember sitting at my desk and I'm like, I am super unfulfilled. And it was it was bizarre because I thought when I got to that point, all of my problems would be solved and it would be amazing because I made it. I finally made it. But once you reach your goals and you look back on what's left for me and it's not fulfilling, it's the most disappointing thing. And it crushed me. And I got stuck in such a massive rut. After the sale, I helped with the uh, helped with the transition. They offered me a position. My counterpart offered me a position um, in IT leadership in the new company after the merger. And I declined it. I'm like, this. I'm at this point where I see that I'm not fulfilled by this. And if I don't address this problem, it's going to have a significant impact on my life. And it took me a long time to get out of that rut. In some ways, you know, I'm still experiencing that. But, uh, you know, I, I quit my job. I moved to Aspen for was what, like six months. Yeah, almost, almost a year. Almost <laughs> there a year. You go. Time, time goes by very slowly when you have like zero responsibility. So <laughs> I, I, took a, I took a brief early entire retirement. I call it just like an intermission retirement almost. There you go. And, um, I moved to Aspen and literally just would wake up and climb mountains and do photography, go hang out by the river. I, there was an Independence Pass in Colorado. Like my daily, my daily story was like I would wake up, I would drive up Independence Pass. I wouldn't make a plan. I'd be like, "That looks like a trailhead." Stop the Jeep, 
put on my backpack and hike all day. Like that was, that was, I would be like, okay, so if I hike, I can hike for five hours out and then five hours back. And then that's when the sun goes down. So I'll set my watch for five hours. As soon as it goes off, then I'll turn around and go back the other direction. That was, that was kind of my daily story. And then I, I decided that I'm like, okay, I need to do something crazy. And, uh, I bought a one-way ticket to Nicaragua. <laughs> I flew down there with a backpack, my entire life into a backpack and, uh, went and lived in, in Central America for a while. And, um, uh, that was when I met my current girlfriend and when the adventure was kind of, you know, becoming a little bit less adventurous, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of civil instability in Central America oh, as yeah. well with Venezuela. And it was kind of pushing its way up through Central America. I'm like, all right, <laughs> time to take a little bit of a break, spend some time with this, uh, with this girl that I had met. And, um, now we're at that point. We're like, okay. I mean, I'm at the stage that you're at right now, Taylor, <laughs> where it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta make this happen so that I can pursue a life with my future wife. Yep. And I need to set these things back together. Jeremy moved back from Aspen to Colorado at, or from Colorado back to North Dakota. Yep. And we're sitting in, we're sitting in my parents' garage. I mean, all businesses start in a parent's garage, right? We have, <laughs> yes. we had two eight foot by four foot whiteboards. So 16 feet by four feet whiteboards spread across this wall. And we just sat in that basement for days going through ideas, doing profitability analysis market analysis is coming up with an idea. And we finally settled on the, uh, on the UAV UAS, uh, industry. That's really growing in North Dakota right now. That's and, awesome. um, we were like, okay, this is a, this is a do or die moment. Let's, uh, let's make this work. So that's where we're at right now. That was the story leading up to the founding of Command UAV. And we're, uh, we're in it. We're in the arena now. So, <laughs> but that's yeah, cool. I mean, conventional, unconventional stories. I mean that it's, and I think that the underlying theme in that is the tenacity, you know, it's, yeah. it's not to, it's not that I'm smarter or anything like that because the reality is like, I probably have a lot of learning impediments and figuring out how I learn is the only thing that helped me overcome those to be able to get to where I'm at. And it develops that tenacity to be able to accomplish the goals that you set yourself out to. Yeah. That's exciting stuff though, that you guys got that going on. And, um, what I'm getting from this is, is all four of us have had a lot of success in life and a lot of failure, but mm -hmm. it's, it shaped us into the people we are today. And it shaped our dreams a little bit too. Cause like you said, when you're 18 and you're trying to pick, should I go to college or should I go work or whatever? You don't have a lot of wisdom at that time. Right. And like Jeremy said, it's going to cost you a lot of money or, or uh, time or, or a lot or of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what I'm getting is that, is that even though we've had success and failure, like it's all led us to this point and it, it's been unconventional, but yet I don't think anyone's path is really supposed to be just cut and dry set, set out for you. You kind of have to discover. Mm hmm what you like and what you enjoy. And I feel like you've gone through, Ashley has gone through multiple different things that you like, you enjoy, but you've narrowed it down yeah. pretty well. And like, I would say she's at, at 25. I know what I want now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I mean, watching her coach, it's like, you know, when someone's reached like their kind of destination or at least, at least found something that found really a calling. Makes, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that like with you guys, you're, you're starting to find out exactly what you want to do. And I'm, I'm still here. Like I, I know what I want to do, but I also said I have so many passions and we mm -hmm. all have so many passions and it's just like some of your passions might have to just be hobbies too. Right. You know? And there's a lot of like, uh, like, like you said, narrowing down in on your goals, being able to say exactly what you're going to be doing for the next 15 years <laughs> scares me. And some people really are does. like, they, they find stability in that. And, um, that's what they want. They're like, Oh, okay. Like I can go to school for four years. I can get a job as a CPA for this company and I can work at that company for 35 years and, uh, I'm safe. Like that's yeah. what I want to do. I want to be able to buy my house and watch Netflix every night, read my paper in the morning and like have that routine. Some people really like that. Like that's safe to them. To me, like that was scary to be able to say, I can plan out my entire life for the next 10 years and exactly where I'm going to be at and like calculate exactly how much I'll be making, what I can spend it on. That's scary to me mm -hmm. yeah. because then it's like, it's almost like I, I already know what's going to happen. I flip to the last page of the book and I'm like, well, I'm not reading the rest of this. <laughs> like I'm just kind of <laughs> going through the motions to get to from point A to point B. So having that, that adventure to be able to explore your, your interests and your options, I think is, is really important for some people. I would agree. 
Yeah, that's kind of what we try to set our life up at, like is uh, we definitely put our passions more in the forefront. And mm-hmm. it might not mean that we get to decide what we're going to what we're going to do in 10 years. But it it means that every day could be an adventure. And ever since I met Ashley, that's been my life is like we, we try to pile in as many adventures into our calendar as we can. Right. And it might not mean that you have as much money in your bank account or things like that. But it, it means that we're going to be sharing a lot more moments and memories. And I don't know, memories are, are much more valuable than, than any, yeah. anything. Experience is so much related. better than, than any kind of, any yeah. kind of monetary success. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to wrap things up today. We've got the one camera over here. So I'll talk to the one camera, no technical issues that yeah. we plan to do that for just yeah, out of, no uh, technical to keep issues. you guys on your toes. I mean, all of this 100% plans, 4d chess, 4d <laughs> underwater chess. So I think that the, the closing statement should be to chase your passions, find out what you're passionate about, make a strategy, find a way to be able to incorporate that into your life. And, uh, and, and I think that you'll, you'll be done well by that. So we need you guys to give us a couple of more name ideas. We're about halfway there, and then we'll finally be able to name the uh, the nameless podcast. Today, the Squeaky Chair Podcast. There was quite a bit of square chair oh, yeah. squeaking throughout this entire thing. But we will see you guys back here next week. 